Are you playing to your strengths or do you spend a lot of time and energy trying to make up deficits? Well, let me tell you, that is not a good use of your time. It's time to play to your strengths. What does it mean to love and work well? And how do I pursue what truly matters? Working at the intersection of business and psychology, I help you answer these questions and more so you can focus priorities, inspire change, lead with courage, and live with more joy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. So the past few episodes, I've been talking about uh, weaknesses and strengths. We have um, made the case, hopefully, that we don't want you to be Sisyphus. We don't want you to be focusing on overcoming your weaknesses, which, which really leaves you like Sisyphus, where you're pushing a boulder uphill only to have it drop back down when you get to the top. So it's not an effective or efficient use of your time or your energy. And then last week we talked about when grit backfires and the the importance of applying our grittiness in the right direction. And so today we're really going to talk about how to play to your strengths so you can really leverage your gifts for good. And so every week with a podcast, my goal is to help you pursue what matters by strengthening your confidence to lead. So leading with clarity, which is purpose. Do you have worthy goals? So we talked about that last week, leading with curiosity, which is all about increasing self-awareness and self-leadership. And that's a big part of what we're talking about today is developing clarity and awareness about your strengths and where you can best apply your gifts. And then of course, the third area is leading and building a community. And, you know, our conversation today has a lot of application to your uh, relationships at work and at home, because, you know, if you're in a leadership role over others, right? So think about a hierarchical leadership role. It's really important for you to be able to clearly assess the skills and the abilities of those you work with um, so that we can get them to the right positions. We can get them in the right roles where they really can contribute. I think it's so sad when you see someone you know, in an organization or on a team in a role for which they are not well suited, right? It's, it really undermines confidence and self-worth. And oftentimes, right, not always, but oftentimes if we can shift them into a different role, they can be very successful and they can be a big contributor to the success of a team. And so, you know, for you hierarchical leaders, it's really important to recognize the skills and abilities of your team members so that you can help get them in the right role and in the right position. And so for sure, we're, we're talking about all three of those today. And so what I want to focus on today are two primary points. Um, the first one is to identify your strengths. So we'll talk about that. And then the second point is let's play to your strengths. And we'll talk a bit more about that. And then I have a great recommendation for you um, between now and the next 
podcast. So let's start with the first point, which is identify your strengths. So a clear assessment of your strengths and weaknesses will help you better choose activities where your grit, where your perseverance, where your passion will likely help you succeed. And so this is where I would love to invite you to consider some sort of assessment to help you identify strengths and weaknesses. So one that I really like, and I like it for a lot of reasons, it's well-researched, it's user friendly. It's very approachable. It's something that like you don't need to work with a psychologist or a leadership coach to get. You can just order it on your own. Um, is Strengths Finder. So it, this is known as the Clifton Strengths Finder, and it's a really good tool. Um, I've used this with lots of folks. I've used it with myself, and it's like I said, it's user friendly, and you can just order this, you know, online. So you can, I'm sure they have a website. Um, you can order it from Amazon. So it comes in the form of a book. And with that book, the book really kind of helps you to explore your strengths, um, but you also complete an assessment and then you use the book to understand your results. And so that would be my recommendation is take a take an assessment and identify your strengths. Of course, you don't need to do the strengths finder. Maybe there are others that you've done as part of work or a retreat or something like that. There are lots of them out there, um, but if you if you don't have one that you've already done or you don't have one in mind, um, definitely would recommend the Strengths Finder for that um, endeavor. And next week we'll learn a little bit more about that tool because I'm going to be reviewing that book and that assessment next week. And so. When it comes to identifying your strengths, you need to have a clear and an objective assessment, right? Sometimes we assess our skills, but we're not very objective. When it comes to ourselves, we're pretty darn subjective. And so that's why I think it's important to get an objective assessment. Um, another way that you can identify your strengths is to seek feedback. Now, a lot of times when we seek feedback, we just really want the positive feedback, but it's really important to seek out the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so to seek critical feedback, um, and, and actually asking for that, like inviting critical feedback can be really helpful. Um, it might sting a little bit, but it will help you to better identify your strengths and your weaknesses. And so that's the second thing we want to do when it comes to identifying your strengths is to seek feedback. And then the third thing we want to do is we, we must heed the feedback that we're given. Okay. So when it comes to critical feedback, it it's always going to hurt. And I think the reason for that is because it's vulnerable. Um, and, and that's okay. That's actually how the equation works. Um, but we need to kind of straighten our backs, strength, strengthen our spines and let that feedback in, receive it. And then, you know, more than just seeking it or receiving it is we need to heed it. We need to act on it. So for instance, if there are clear patterns related to critical feedback that you've received, and you're maybe receiving that from multiple sources, you really do need to pay attention to that. That's a red flag. It might be a yellow flag, but any sort of pattern or theme when it comes to feedback is really important to pay attention to. And the truth is, 
as humans, we're predictable animals. Most of us have patterns and themes, right? Like I'm working on the same things today that I was working on 15 years ago. My hope is I'm working with it a little differently. I'm working with it with more self-awareness and more skills. Uh, But we all have our patterns and themes. And it's really important to heed the feedback that we're given and do what we can to help ourselves. And so when it comes to identifying your strengths, I've got three recommendations. So we want you to have a clear assessment of your skills. So an objective assessment. Um, we also want you to seek feedback and specifically seeking critical feedback because a lot of people are hesitant to give that feedback. So when they get an open invitation to give critical feedback, you know, they'll really be considerate of that hopefully most often that is the case and then the third the third thing is to heed feedback you're given pay attention to patterns and themes and now let's move to the second main point um, for our conversation today and that is to play to your strengths and so I have Uh, three solutions for you when it comes to playing to your strengths or three recommendations. So the first one is to cultivate emotional intelligence. So if you caught the podcast last week, um, you know that in some research from Yale University, when they were looking at the role of emotional intelligence, the ability to self-regulate versus grit, they found that emotional intelligence is a greater predictor of success than is grit. Now, no one is saying that grit isn't important. Um, It is that there's a lot of value to grit. But if you're going to focus on something um, in in addition to grit, you got to focus on cultivating your emotional intelligence. And so check out last week's podcast if you missed that one. Um, emotional intelligence um, was first brought into the popular culture by Daniel Goleman. So he has a great book um, with that same title. I will link to that book and to Daniel's um, website. So when we think about a definition for emotional intelligence, so it's often also referenced as EQ or EI. So um, you might hear some of those terms as well. But it is the ability to First, recognize, understand, and manage our own emotions, okay? And second, recognize, understand, and influence the emotions of others, right? So how do we connect with others? And, you know, in practical terms, this means being aware that emotions can drive our behavior and impact people, both positively and negatively, and learning how to manage those emotions, both our own and others. So it's the ability to recognize, understand, and manage our own emotions and the manage and the emotions of others, right? And a recognition that managing emotions is especially important in situations when we are under pressure. So for example, let's think of some situations where this might apply when we're giving and receiving feedback. A lot of times when we're giving and receiving feedback, our brain gets hijacked 
um, by the reptilian brain, right? Like we move into fight or flight mode. Our walls go up, the shame kicks up, and we lose all emotional intelligence. And so cultivating emotional intelligence really helps us to remain grounded in these high pressure situations or these vulnerable situations, so such as giving and receiving feedback, meeting tight deadlines, dealing with challenging relationships, not having enough resources, right? Like these are realities of a lot of organizations, Um, navigating change and working through setbacks and failure. So if we think about this list of some pressure situations, they're kind of a, a a task list and and a checklist of things many of us have experienced with the pandemic, right? Lots of stress, um, lots of challenging relationships, lots of issues around resources. And so we think about how emotional intelligence really can help us to stay grounded so we don't lose our mind, so we don't get hijacked by that reptilian brain. So the first recommendation, the first solution to help you play to your strengths is to cultivate emotional intelligence. And second is to focus on emotional regulation. So this comes to us from Erica Reicher, um, writing for the Washington Post, and I will link to this article. So at its most basic, emotion regulation is what happens in the space between recognizing feelings and choosing how to respond. So emotional regulation allows us to respond instead of react. So this is from Reicher. She writes, instead of yelling, we pause and take a deep breath. Instead of blaming, we invite problem solving. Instead of worrying, we refocus our thoughts on positive outcomes. Instead of withdrawing, we seek support from others. And so these are all examples of um, emotional regulation in action. So I really like that. It's in the space between recognizing feelings and choosing how to respond. And when we don't have much in the way of emotional intelligence or emotional regulation, um, this that space of recognizing feelings and choosing how to respond feels very quick, um, like lightning. And many people describe it as um, just reacting, right? Like there was no thought, I just reacted. And it often feels that way. But the truth is there is a space. (laughs) There is a space where we choose. Um, And so we want to lengthen out that space so that you can remain grounded, you can get curious, you can use all your other great communication skills to have an effective communication, uh, effective conversation to engage effective problem solving skills. And so when it comes to emotional regulation, this absolutely includes distress tolerance skills, coping skills, and learning to move through the stress cycle rather than experiencing a stress pileup. And I've done a lot of podcasts on distress tolerance, coping skills, and, you know, moving through the stress cycle. And so, um, I've got lots of resources for you on that topic. Um, people don't like to talk about coping skills. Um, they kind of tend to see those as a nuisance and, you know, that, that the solutions really have got to be bigger than coping skills. They've got to be bigger than box breathing. They've got to be bigger than, um, than pausing before you respond. And it's, the truth is these skills 
are the heart of change because they allow us to slow ourselves down so that we don't lose our head, right? So that we're not um, reacting out of fight or flight or fear. Um, And so I cannot emphasize enough the importance of distress tolerance skills and coping skills. They are the foundation for well-being. They are the foundation for, you know, effective functioning in life. So from Reicher, this comes from a Yale study um, on emotional intelligence. So specifically talking about kids, because kids who know how to manage and influence their emotions have higher stress tolerance, better social skills, greater attentiveness, less anxiety and depression, and a host of other advantages. So when you engage emotional intelligence and emotional regulation skills, you really, that's the greatest advantage you could ever have um, because it because you keep your um, you keep your frontal lobe engaged rather than moving to that reptilian brain. And so it's powerful. We don't want you to lose your skills in pressure situations. okay? So that's the second solution. Focus on emotional regulation. And now let's talk about the third solution, which is to choose, worthy goals. Now I had some to say about this in our last podcast. Sometimes we're not pursuing worthy goals. So a U.S. Department of Education report on grit found that persevering in the face of challenges or setbacks to accomplish goals that are extrinsically motivated, unimportant to the student, they're talking about students at this point, or in some way inappropriate for the student may potentially induce stress, anxiety, and distraction and have detrimental impacts on students' psychological well-being. So again, that comes from Erica Reicher, writing for the Washington Post, um, reporting on a U.S. Department of Education report. So this is really important to pay attention to. So the point of this of this message from the Department of Education is that our goals matter. Choosing worthy goals makes a difference. When we choose goals for ourselves or for our kids that are extrinsically motivated, that 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 we don't care about or that we're doing just because we think it'll please someone else, that pursuing those goals will actually, they're more likely to induce stress, anxiety, distraction, and undermine well-being and success. Okay. We don't want that. That is when we're climbing the wrong mountain. And so of course we want to choose goals that you care about goals that are intrinsically motivated. This is where purpose, this is where values really come into play. So if you have a worthy goal, but you recognize that you're not very skilled at that um, pursuit, consider another entry point where you can connect with that value, but your success is not dependent on developing skills that you really, you know, don't have much aptitude to for, right? So think about a support role instead of a starring role um, where you can still contribute and you have a sense of purpose and interest motivation, um, but you're also respecting the reality of skills that we don't all have aptitude for everything. So I like thinking about a support role instead of a starring role. I also think about volunteer opportunities where you can connect to meaningful activities and still contribute. Um, So 
Grit can be expected to be most important for goals where individuals have substantial choice. So if your goal is one that you did not set, grit is going to be less effective. Um, It can still be a worthy goal, and that's where it's important for you to find some commitment to the vision or the purpose. Um, But you know, for, for grit to be most effective, it's on goals where we have substantial choice. We can choose what we're going to do. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to choosing worthy goals, it's also really important to prioritize your goals. So when it comes to passion, think about passion. It is focused. It's not diffuse, right? There's nothing about passion that is diffuse. And so you really do need to prioritize your goals. So you can't have 10, worthy goals at a time because you will you'll be unsuccessful probably on most of those and so prioritize your goal um, recognizing that big goals require a lot of passion and require a lot of perseverance and so that can help you to be successful with that so of course today we've been talking about how to play to your strengths and i first um, led the conversation with helping you identify your strengths please consider the clifton strengths finder um, if you would like to to take an objective measure i'm going to talk more about that next week second we want you to play to your strengths and how do you do that so first we need to cultivate emotional intelligence um, i will also leave to the book review that I did of emotional intelligence. It's a great book. Um, Second, we want to focus on emotional regulation. So distress tolerance skills, coping skills, slowing ourselves down in the moment is really, really important. And then third, we want to choose worthy goals, right? Worthy goals where we have intrinsic motivation and we have a path to success. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Um, In fact, it will probably be very challenging, but can you see a path to success? And that's really important to pay attention to. And then of course, we need to prioritize those goals. So head on over to my website to check out the show notes for the resources for this episode at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash 164 dash play to strengths. So one more time, that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash 164 dash play to strengths. P-L-A-Y-T-O-S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-S. So check me out on Instagram at Dr. Melissa Smith. I'd love to connect with you there. I have a lot more to say about these topics on Instagram. And then of course, I will include the link for Emotional Intelligence book by Daniel Goleman and also um, the book review that I did of that book. And then of course, I would encourage you to explore my podcast page because I have a lot of great podcasts on coping skills. So in the meantime, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember love and work, work and love. That's all there is until next time. Take good care. Good care.